0: I'm Caleb Benjamin, Internet Lawfare, today on Lawfare No Bull. On November 15th, Judge Scott McAfee heard arguments from defendants in the Fulton County election interference case on the state's emergency motion for a protective order and defendant David Schaefer's response in opposition and proposed protective order. The state had proposed a blanket protective order over all discovery, while Schaefer proposed a protective order that would only apply to discovery deemed sensitive. The state agreed to Schaefer's proposed order, as did most other co-defendants. The media interveners in the case lodged a vigorous objection.
1: All right, good afternoon, everybody. Can I get a thumbs up from someone joining us remotely if you can hear me all right? Need to switch views here. Okay, great. Are we ready to go on the record, Ms. Sims? Okay, then this is 23SC188947. We are here today on the state's uh, emergency renewed motion for protective order, and we had invited all named defendants to join us if they were interested. And so I think the first thing we should probably do is take a roll call and see who has made it. And I would ask everyone if we could just because there's so many people involved in this today, if we could all stay on mute until uh, we get to your Name and then when we get further into the discussion, we will ma- we will make it through everyone, uh, but we need we're just going to have to be really cognizant of taking turns. So, uh, to that end, let me start with the state. Who do we have here on behalf of the state today?
2: Judge it's, uh, Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade present here. All right, and Mr. Wade, who'd be arguing today or making any uh, announcements for the state? Partially myself and Mr. Wooden, uh, Deputy uh, District Attorney Mr. Wooten. Okay, great. And Mr. Sadow, I see you, sir.
0: Good afternoon. Excuse me, your honor, good afternoon.
1: Anyone else on your end that we need to be waiting for or make note of? I believe Ms. Little is also on. I am. All right, great, thank you. And anyone here on behalf of Mr. Giuliani? All right, not hearing anyone. Uh, Anyone here on behalf of Mr. Eastman? Anyone here for Mr. Meadows?
3: Your Honor, Jim Durham on behalf of Mr. (laughs) Meadows.
1: All right, welcome, Mr. Durham. And Mr. Clark.
4: Good afternoon, Your Honor, Catherine Bernard here for Jeffrey Clark.
1: Thank you, Ms. Bernard. Uh, Mr. Smith. Bruce Morris here on
5: behalf of Mr. Smith. And Don Samuel, Amanda Clark Palmer, Kristen Nove are all here for Mr. Smith. Judge, Alan Stockton, I was
3: not quick enough on the unmute, but I'm here for Mr. Giuliani.
1: Okay, I'll make it.
6: Judge, my name is David Lewis. I'm here for Mr. Giuliani, and I was muted, um, and my pro hoc is on its way uh, to the court. Mr. Esposito is uh, vacationing, uh, lucky him, in St. Martin's. So I'm sitting in for him today, and my filing will be made, I believe, by the end of the day.
1: Okay, so we have Mr. Stockton uh, on behalf of Mr. Giuliani and Mr. Lewis, tentatively with a pro hoc still pending. Okay, uh, I think we'd already covered Mr. Smith. Uh, anyone here for Mr. Cheely?
0: Your Honor, Chris yes, Nolowitz. I'm sorry, Chris Nolowitz here for Mr. Cheely. And I think and, Mr. Rice is too.
3: And Richard
1: okay. Rice on
0: behalf of Mr. Cheely as well.
1: All right, thank you Mr. Nolowitz, Mr. Rice and Mr. Roman. All right, not hearing anybody there. Uh, Mr. Schaefer.
5: Your Honor, uh, Craig Gillen and Anthony Lake for Mr. Schaefer. Okay, uh, Mr. Still.
6: Your Honor, Tom Beaver and Cole McPheren, uh on today for uh, uh, Sean Still.
7: Mr. Floyd. Your Honor, Chris Kachuroff and Todd Harding for Mr. Floyd.
1: All right, and um, is it Miss Cuddy? Yeah, what about Miss Latham?
5: Your Honor, Bill Cromwell here on behalf of Miss Latham.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't catch the name. I didn't. I didn't see who. What was that again? Uh,
5: uh, Bill Cromwell on behalf of Miss Latham.
1: Got it. Thank you, Mr. Cromwell. All right, and then finally we have Miss Hampton. Anyone here from Miss Hampton? No, okay,
8: your, your honor, uh, one addition. This is Tom Clyde. I'm here on behalf of non party media entity constitution and WSB TV.
1: All right. Thank you, Mr. Clyde. Anyone else here on behalf of any other non party that has already filed an entry in this case?
3: Judge Jonathan Miller Miller here from Miss Hampton. My thing was muted.
1: Understood. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Miller.
6: Judge, I'm, this is Steve Greenberg, I'm here for Ms. Cootie, but my uh, I'm on trial in federal court in Chicago and my internet keeps going out on my phone as a hotspot.
1: Okay, well, uh, thank you for trying to make it work. I will say uh, at the outset here, this is uh, very much just a hearing where if anyone wants to be heard, they can be added. It was parties maybe uh, at so if you need to run Mr. Greenberg, I understand that and um, And as I understand it, it seems like there's been uh, something of a consensus of an opinion forming for the majority of the folks here. So we can dive into that. So I was informed shortly beforehand that I think the state and all but one uh, defense counsel have agreed on the protective order proposed by Mr. Schaefer. And so I think that still raises a few issues, though, that we would need to work through, um, especially since it's not a unanimous on behalf of all the parties so why don't we start it off with the state and um, Mr. Wooten or Mr. Wade if there's anything that you'd like to address we can do that and then I'd have a few follow-ups for you.
2: Judge we just uh, moments ago received an email from uh, Mr. uh, defendant Floyd's counsel indicating that um, they would agree as well to Uh, what uh, uh, the majority of the parties have already uh, agreed to, which is the language uh, in Mr. Schaefer's proposed motion, proposed order, excuse me.
1: Okay. So I'll probably have to do another roll call then and go through everyone again, just to make sure that that is the case, just so we have it all on the record. But since I've got you here and I'll just start this with a few questions of my own. The primary difference here, it seems to be that the state originally had proposed what I would characterize as a, as a blanket umbrella protective order, where just essentially anything and everything that's turned over that wasn't already public or wasn't already part of the defense file uh, was going to be held under seal. Um, whereas my reading of the uh, Mr. Schaefer's proposed order is that there's going to be this intermediary designation of something's gonna be sensitive and then that's gonna be what's not allowed to be turned over. Uh, So it's not everything. Is that a fair read of that, uh, Mr. Wade? It is judge. So what, uh, I'm wondering if this is just going to, if we're really gonna, if it's just gonna result in in uh, kind of another series of hearings where there are instantly gonna be disputes over what's considered sensitive and what's not. So I have to say there was something about the idea of a a blanket appeal that uh, I think in a case like this is voluminous and complex and with as many parties uh, that appealed to me so do you want to if you could walk me through um, where you are and where you've landed on this I mean for one thing I think you'd noted a concern that if parties have the ability to just disclose aspects of their file to the public I think you'd notice you'd raise some concerns over that affecting the jury pool. Is that still a concern for yours? And is that going to be adequately addressed by Mr. Schaefer's proposed order?
2: It, it is a concern judge. It continues to be a concern. And I, but I do think that uh, Mr. Schaefer's proposed order does adequately address it. Um, I don't, uh, I think that the, the posture that we're in now in, ter- in terms of, uh, walking through Mr. Schaefer's motion, it it does indeed address all the concerns that the state that the state has. Um, but the the court's point is t- well taken. there There could be a series of of arguments between counsel as it relates to what is sensitive and what is not though.
1: and And Mr. Wade, the state's prepared at this point to go through their entire file and and put this label
2: on it and and have this done. We are judge, um, everything that we've turned over, um, we, we believe that we're prepared to, to go through and say what, what, what's sensitive and what's not.
1: I think you'd indicated, or excuse me, in the, in the proposed order, it indicated simply that what's going to be sensitive is something that should be confidential under applicable law. Can you give us any more guidance of what you anticipate the state labeling as sensitive?
0: Um, judge. I can say as one example, and I think this is kind of the what brought us here, certainly uh, proffers. Any videos of proffers would be a, a, an immediate example of something that would be sensitive. Um, anything that contains, um, of course, you know, personal identifying information would be sensitive. Uh, business records that are that are um, that are considered confidential or that would otherwise be protected because of some economic um, harm if they were to be disclosed would be sensitive. Um, largely in line, Judge, with what's covered under 17164, we believe, with just some additional or, excuse me, 17164d, um, with some additional um, things that I think just by their very nature makes sense to be confidential. Like I said, for example, the proper videos.
1: And I think one of the other lingering issues we had to talk about was was the state's method of disclosing proper videos, if any. Uh, going forward going to change as a result of this week's developments?
0: Yes, Judge, if, if the court were to enter this order, uh, the proposed order, as it is drafted right now, we would maintain the same system that we've been using, which is we would copy um, and provide copies of all that information over to the defense. Um, so it would, if if this order is adopted, it would not change the process other than the procedures that are provided for in the order itself.
1: Okay, so uh, with that, then let me just go ahead and cycle through again, and no need to uh, add something if if you think it's already been addressed. But I want to give everyone, all defense counsel, the ability to have their say, and we'll see if that um, if that's still the case on the behalf of uh, Mr. Floyd. And so, from the top, Mr. Sedow, anything that you felt you needed to add?
0: No, Your Honor, we are in agreement with the proposed order as described. By the state, and of course, it's Mr.
3: Schaefer's um, proposed order. We've joined in, but we're in agreement.
1: All right. And for uh, Mr. Giuliani, Mr. Stockton.
5: Judge, we're in agreement as well.
1: All right. Mr. Durham, on behalf of Mr. Meadows.
5: We're in agreement, Your Honor.
1: Ms. Bernard, on behalf of Mr. Clark.
4: And your honor, our position remains that no protective order is necessary. However, if the court is inclined to enter one, then we do consent to the entry of the one that has been proposed by Mr. Schaefer.
1: And why don't you think one is necessary, Ms. Bernard?
4: The information is largely already publicly available and has been released. And while we are certainly open to considering anything that the state wishes to designate as sensitive materials, the vast majority of discovery in this case uh, consists of information that has been or is being heard in other tribunals on similar allegations. And so we don't think this is information that is being released in a number of forums in a number of different ways. And so we don't believe that any of it is necessarily protectable though, of course, if there is any personally identifying information as the state has indicated, we're, we're not gonna share anything inappropriately.
1: And because uh, Mr. Schaefer's proposed order has that carve out for everything that's already part of the public record, uh, wouldn't that address your main point there?
4: And, and that is why, you know, we're not looking to create a, a fight over this, Your Honor. And if the court is inclined to enter a protective order, we believe that this one does balance the concerns appropriately by requiring the state to designate what it considers sensitive materials and providing us an opportunity to contest that. I did just want to make sure that our position on the record is that we do not believe a protective order is necessary, given the fact that the information that is relevant to this case and the discovery is almost all information that is of public import, public availability and uh, public record.
1: Okay, well, I'll note your objection and I'll make sure to address that in the uh, order uh, that we enter on this. Okay, uh, over for Mr. Smith. I don't know if Mr. Samuel or Mr. Morris. uh, We we consent to the entry of the order proposed by Mr. Schaefer. All right, Mr. Nolowitz.
3: We consent to the entry of the order by Mr. Schaefer.
1: Okay. And Mr. Gillen, anything you wanted to add generally on behalf of Mr. Schaefer?
5: No, your honor. We, we consent to the proposal submitted by Mr. Schaefer.
1: <laughs> I would hope so. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it was Mr. Uh, Beaver on behalf of Mr. Still.
5: Yes, we consent, your honor. Okay.
1: All right. Mr. Floyd or not Mr. Floyd, but uh, mis- I don't know if it was going to be Mr. Harding or Mr. Kacharoff.
7: Your honor, this is uh, Chris Kacharoff from Mr. Floyd. Uh, as I indicated uh, to counsel in my previous email, uh, I don't think the protective order is necessary at all. It's not like there's a snitch being uh, revealed in any of these proffers, which is th- the typical scenario that one would expect to see uh, protective orders entered. Um, but notwithstanding, because of all the defense counsel want to, to do this protective order, and I, I don't have any objection to entry of this order that Mr. Schaefer has proposed. Um, I w- Only thing I would add is because it came out in the state's motion that uh, the appearance in the the motion was made to seem as though it was the Floyd team that leaked a video. I don't agree, first of all, that there was a leak at all. Uh, But secondly, that cost me time and and aggravation because I've had to field phone calls from press uh, relentlessly asking why Floyd leaked the video. And they got it. And I asked them where they got this information from. And the universal response was, well, the state put it in there. They put your email in the motion. Well, the state didn't put the other email in the motion which was that we we had made a typo uh, mr harding had originally said we are we are the source of the leak he meant to say we are not the source of the leak um and so they played upon that and and that quite frankly is irrelevant to the to the motion but it cost me uh, aggravation so i just wanted something on the record from the state just acknowledging we weren't the ones that were doing it
1: well i don't know if the state's in a position where they can actually say definitively who did or did not if i recall from their emergency motion they noted that you later acknowledged it was a typo um i I don't know why the need for the the email attachments but here we are and i think we've all when we signed up for the case agreed for some level of aggravation but uh here we are um i think was there anything else though uh other than the the note there uh, that you think we need to address as it re- ter- relates to the terms, exact terms of this protective order. No, your honor. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mr. Kashiroff. uh, miss C- or is it Mr. Cromwell on behalf of Ms. Latham?
5: Yes, your honor. And we, we consent to the uh, proposed order by Mr. Schaefer.
1: Okay. Uh, Mr. Miller on behalf of, uh, Miss Hampton.
3: Judge, if I may, um, Ms. Hampton is does not believe that an order is necessary that this is the one of the biggest cases the country has had and that transparency is very important um, since I've been working with her for the last two years she has always said that she wanted to be 100% transparent uh, and that is why we are opposed to having any kind of regulations on our what we can expose and what we can't but with that in mind we will adhere to any court order that the court does and will do so with diligence Um, but judge in in being transparent with the court and to make sure that uh, nobody else gets blamed for what happened uh, and so that I can go to sleep well tonight, uh, judge I, I did release those videos to one outlet and and on all candor to the court, I need the court to know that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. candor, Mr. Miller, is there anything else though you'd want to add in terms of, I, I, I suppose I would lodge it as an objection to the protective order, but not a, a vigorous one, I suppose. Uh, is there anything else you'd want to add though? You're thinking behind why you felt these proffers needed to be part of the public record. Cause it feels like that should be part of the, Uh, analysis that I had to do of justifying a protective order.
3: Okay, If, if the court will entertain me. Judge, all four of those people that did their proffers, they stood in front of you, they did their plea, it was all recorded, it was sent out there for the world to see. And to put those proffers, hide those proffers that show all the underlying things that went into those pleas it misleads the public about what's going on. Um, I I don't believe that two of those defendants were directly related to my client. And I don't believe that either one of those hurt my client. If anything, I believe they helped my client and it, the public needs to know that. Um, so please keep that in consideration in any order that you do.
1: And Mr. Miller, how would your ability to eventually get that, in front of the public at a trial be foreclosed by a protective order saying this shouldn't come out until it's determined to be admissible, and it should come out at the trial?
3: Judge, the problem with that is that this is a very, very public trial. We all know that. How many newspaper organizations are out there right now looking at it? Um, That allows the DA's office to set the tone for the entire trial without giving consideration to the other side of the Coin and and that's what it needs protecting, Judge. And the public has a right to know.
1: Well, uh, it's a it's a good slogan, but do we have any case law that says pretrial discovery is a part of our First Amendment concerns? I know Mr. Clyde is is sitting there just waiting uh, to be teed up here on behalf of the media organizations, um, but it seems like having open files for everyone to start litigating the case before we actually get inside of a courtroom, uh, comes with a lot of side effects. I don't know if we've thought through, uh,
3: judge, I cannot argue with that logic. Um, but so far as case law on these issues, I I can coach you a couple of things, but, but note that the state's only case law that they came up with was a case that wasn't even related to Georgia from 1993. Um, there's just not a lot of Georgia law on this particular issue.
1: No, I'll certainly, grant you that. Uh, I think we're we're a bit unmoored here in, in Georgia on this issue, but um, will um, I'll I'll put all those thoughts in the uh, in the order, which I'll hope to get out uh, by tomorrow morning. Um, no. All right, Mr. Miller. If there's anything else you want to add, if not, I will move it on to uh, Mr. Greenberg. Anything else, Mr. Miller?
3: Uh, No, your honor. I appreciate your time.
1: All right. Uh, Mr. Greenberg, if you're still with us.
6: Yep, I am, Judge. I I got a better connection now. So uh, we don't have any objection to the order. However, there was one issue uh, that did come up, which was a suggestion that we would have to travel to the uh, district attorney's office to view uh, video interviews and so forth. Obviously those are gonna be key to trial. They're gonna be the kinds of things that you're gonna to need to work with. So I'm hoping when they designate things as sensitive, they'll take into account uh, the representations of people here today and that we're all professionals. And I'm looking at the screen and while I don't know most of the people, it looks like almost everyone's been around a while and and uh, should be able to be trusted to act in a professional manner. And that we won't have to uh, encamp in Atlanta In their office to look at discovery excessively
1: well mr greenberg if i interpreted mr wade correctly i believe they withdrew that motion and so whether designated sensitive or not sensitive discovery is going to go uh, back to the regular course of things Uh, did i capture that accurately mr wade all right i'm getting a general nod and there we go
6: that might have been while i was searching for a signal judge because i had to switch from the 20th floor to the second floor
1: Okay, so, understood. All right. You. And so finally I think we have on behalf of several media organizations uh, Mr. Clyde.
8: Thank you, your honor. Um, as I mentioned I'm here on behalf of the Atlanta Journal Constitution and WSBTV but also the Associated Press, CNN, Gray Media, Tegna, Scripps, uh, and the Washington Post. Um, we do Object to the entry of the protective order. It is a vigorous objection, Your Honor. And, and first, I'm going to address um, the need for the protective order, and then I'll speak to the terms of the protective order. Um, first, Your Honor, we would submit there's just not a need for the protective order to be entered at all. Uh, the state in its motion, the defendants in their motions have basically referred to OCGA 17-16-4D, but that authorizes the court to enter a protective order only upon a sufficient showing that the discovery required by that article would create a substantial threat of physical or economic harm to a witness. That just hasn't been shown, and that threshold hasn't been met, and it may be that both the state and many of the defendants now consent to some form of a protective order but that has not been authorized essentially by the law. Essentially what the state and the defendants are trying to do is get the authority of the court behind an order that will impose secrecy on information that's exchanged during the discovery process notwithstanding how newsworthy that information is, notwithstanding how much it might inform the public about the circumstances of this case, but particularly in this case, the circumstances of an election that took place that's of uh, um, extremely significant public importance. So, Your Honor, we, we it's it's, it's not a matter of whether both sides agree, it's a matter of whether the standard has been met and we would submit the showing is clearly insufficient to meet that standard. I would also note that the primary authority cited by the state Gentili versus State Bar of Nevada is a case where the United States Supreme Court overturned an effort to limit the speech of attorneys by the Nevada State Bar. So it, it, it wasn't a, it's not a decision that supports uh, the entry of restrictions on speech. It, it reversed the entry of restriction on speech. So Your Honor, I'm gonna address the terms of the protective order because in the event the court decides to enter a protective order, I think it's very worthwhile for you to take a hard look at some of the terms.
1: Let me let me start, though, with first principles with you, sir. Sure. Do you agree that the 11th Circuit in the United States Supreme Court have said there's no public right to pretrial discovery?
8: Absolutely, Your Honor. And and let me speak to that. When when it says there's no public right to pretrial discovery, what that means is that myself, my clients, they can't come to the court and say we want access today to the district attorney's file. I agree, we don't have that right. But it's a much different thing. This protective order is a much different thing. It's essentially ordering parties that are facing criminal charges not to disclose information that may be relevant to their case, inculpatory, exculpatory, but also highly newsworthy, highly informative to the public. So it's it's not a situation whether we can demand access under the first amendment. It's whether the imprimatur of the court should be used to seal away information that is relevant, not just to this case, but to informing the public about the circumstances that are a matter of
1: it, But it may not be relevant at all. We haven't made that determination. Discovery doesn't necessarily go into relevance. There could be things that are completely inadmissible that a jury should never hear, but that you're saying should be on the front page.
8: And Your Honor, I'm sorry, when I use the word relevant in that sentence, uh, I mean relating to, bearing on. The legal standard for relevance isn't isn't essentially the the issue for the newsworthiness of the information. I agree the court may ultimately exclude it, or the court may allow it to be admitted. But um, it is also the standard that the hearings in which the court will hear that evidence are presumptively public. In other words, the entire process of the litigation becomes public, and I, I, I grant your point, and it's a good one, that we don't have a right to demand to see the states file or any defendants file, but that's a very different thing than the court imposing a limit on, some, on litigants sharing that information. Your Honor, I'm, I'm gonna jump to the terms of the protective order because I think there also are troubling terms within the proposed protective order. And I'm speaking um, to Mr. Schaefer's protective order at this point. Um, the, essentially, the, this proposed protective order would authorize the state to restrict access to sensitive material And the only definition of that is believes in good faith is entitled to confidential treatment under applicable law. And Your Honor, I I would argue that that complete departure from the standard that was articulated by the General Assembly that is part of Georgia law, uh, as we just read the standard that set forth in 1716 4-D, and and it's quite demanding. It it requires a showing about essentially physical or economic harm to a witness. Um, This standard is completely amorphous, and it's essentially to get delegated entirely to the state to decide, at least as a threshold matter. Um, That provision is in conflict with Georgia law. At a minimum, there's got to be standards, and those standards have to track Georgia law.
1: When you say Georgia law, you just mean that one provision under the Reciprocal Discovery Act.
8: I I do because I believe that's the only provision that authorizes the entry of this kind of protective order. What about uh, so what about the courts? Thing, the where the is...
1: court just has general equitable powers to um, organize and control all members and attorneys before appearing before it.
8: Your, Your Honor, I, I believe that the court does have general powers to control the courtroom um, and, and the court proceedings. But in terms of imposing limitations on speech, I think there would have to be a legislative basis for that. And that's simply not a step that the Georgia General Assembly has taken. Um, and so why do I think that's that's a reasonable position for the Georgia General Assembly to take? Because essentially, and I'm gonna echo um, some of the comments made by Ms. Hampton's counsel is, is the court is accusing some, I mean, I'm sorry, not the court, the state is accusing somebody of a crime, imposing that threat upon them. And then now it also wants to use the court's powers to limit what they can say, how they can disclose information that's provided to them bearing on the crime that's accused of them i just don't think there's a legislative basis to to do that under georgia law and i don't think it falls squarely within the court's uh general powers um so uh, that's so i would encourage the court to take a hard look at that provision i also think at a fundamental level there is also a problem your honor in that it is delegating the function to the prosecutors to the to the state to make that decision uh and i don't i don't think that's appropriate
1: well, um, it'd be to, to all of the parties i think any party who doesn't agree with one of the designations can bring it up i think it's a collective seat at the table there that's currently um, written
8: your honor I, I understand um that they can then oppose the position but at a minimum, there would have to be standards um, that everybody had to comply by. It may be the case, and it's, it's frequently true in litigation, that both sides are happy to proceed in, in secrecy, but w- w- that is generally not the approved approach of our court system. Um, and so th- this um, structure would have to have standards in place uh, that would limit uh, the decision-making. Otherwise, both sides could just as a matter of convenience say, hey, let's, let's agree to keep all of this information confidential, notwithstanding how newsworthy, how informative to the public it might be. Um, and that's what I think is changing the calculus that is imposed by Georgia law and in changing it in a very dramatic way in a very important case.
1: And so, in your mind, is there a way that, to salvage this protective order? Or is it just simply the case that there shouldn't be one at all?
8: Your Honor, our, our position is there shouldn't be one at all, and and that and that's a full stop right there. There shouldn't be a protective order in this case. I don't think recent events in any way suggest there should be a protective order in the case. I think, uh, as Miss Hampton's counsel articulated, the information that came out. Um, it simply builds on a significant volume of information that's been in the public record now for uh, a very long time. It it doesn't suggest uh, in some way that there's a physical or economic threat to witnesses. And your honor, I say that, uh, uh, and, and the, we make that point, uh, noting that we're in a very different environment here than we were, with the jury selection order. Uh, In other words, we acknowledge some grand jurors had faced uh, that there was evidence of problems with respect to grand jurors. We worked very hard with the state to find an order regarding how to protect the future jurors in this case. That was appropriate. We worked with the state, we reached a consent order. Here, our position is there's just not a need for a protective order in this environment uh, and and that standard that that has to be met even if both sides agree hasn't been met. There is one other provision though that your honor I would like to draw the court's attention to um, because it it also to us is is clearly inappropriate and that's paragraph nine of the proposed order uh, where it says any evidence designated by the state As a sensitive material shall not be filed with the court except under seal in other words it's laying the groundwork to file these materials under seal Um, that is directly in conflict with rule 21 Um, in both civil cases and criminal cases materials can't be filed under seal until the court has a hearing considers the document by document the issues that are being asked to be filed under seal and weighs the evidence about whether privacy outweighs public interest with respect to the f- the filed materials. It is, when some materials are filed, um, to, to note the, the dividing line that the court mentioned before, then the media and the public and the press have a full-on constitutional right to access to those materials. So the proposed order that's being suggested by Mr. Schaefer, um, we think is is not appropriate with respect to trying to protect the discovery process we would submit it's also clearly inappropriate because it is intruding into the constitutional protected protection for filed materials as well.
1: All right, thank you Mr Clyde let me uh let me do this why don't we why don't I start with the state and then go to Mr. Schaefer if there's any response, if if, if necessary and if desired. And then I can also open it up to the floor as well. Um, so Mr. Wooten, Mr. Wayne. Yes, Judge. Mr. Wood, Mr. Wade.
0: Yes, Judge. Um, on behalf of the state, just kind of as a threshold matter, it's the state's position that the media interveners do not have standing in this matter. Um, we don't believe that. Pretrial trial discovery has ever been a situation where the media has a, a vested interest or as the court pointed out, there's no first amendment right for the public to access any pre-trial discovery materials. So as a threshold matter, we don't believe that they're standing to object period and would note that all of the individuals or all the parties that do have standing um, in some form or fashion are consenting to this order with some limited objections. Um, also, just to reiterate that the, the protective order as it is written now does not itself um, restrict any particular discovery. It simply creates a mechanism through which the state can designate uh, discovery material as something that should be protected. Sensitive material uh, gives the defense the opportunity to object and then creates a mechanism by which the court uh, can make the ultimate determination if there is some dispute. So we believe that notwithstanding the provisions in seventeen sixteen four d that as the court earlier pointed out this type of order is clearly within the inherent power of the court to manage the proceedings. Again, this order itself does not restrict any disclosure of any particular item of discovery. It just creates a mechanism through which that determination can be made um, at a later date.
1: Okay. And uh, Mr. Gillen, anything from to Dad on behalf of Mr. Schaefer?
5: You know, we would agree that the, the mechanism suggested here is for an efficient, and professional handling of pretrial discovery this isn't a trial it's our getting information and we want to do that in a way where we get as much of the information as we can and are entitled to without any kind of limitations being placed upon it by the state and you know for example the videos we want those videos as soon as they're made to review them uh, to assess them and to prepare our defense. The proposed order agreed to by the parties, and understanding Mr. Klein's position that um, you know, that he does have standing, I need not uh, frankly address that. Uh, I will say that this, this proposed order allows the flexibility of the parties not to let the state make a unilateral decision. If they make a decision we disagree with, then we'll be raising that with a court. Now, I hope that doesn't really happen much. And frankly, I don't think that it will. Because I think what everybody involved in the litigation here wants to do is to make is to handle this in a professional way, or we end up trying this case in a courtroom, not in a series of uh, of uh, extraordinary uh, new stories concerning the process of discovery. So th- this, this proposed order agreed to by the state and we appreciate their agreeing to our proposed order, uh, permits that flexibility, but also allows the state to, to know with, uh, some degree of certainty, if they label something sensitive, we have a period of time to say no. We probably, I doubt in many instances, will. But if we do, then we're going to be bringing that back to the court. And also, uh, in this proposed order, there is a component which allows if you know, that, that there can be uh, either party or a party can move to modify if it's not working. I think it's going to work, and I hope that the court does adopt the proposed order uh, that um, <clears throat> we have proposed. And there have been no real objections by any of the defense counsel, other than they don't believe that there should be any limitations. Protective orders um, are a, a commonplace in federal, litiga- federal criminal litigation. I understand this is not a federal trial, but I, I mentioned that point because it's a way of illustrating how the parties, although we can battle um, on various issues, evidentiary legal issues that in the context of sensitive information or material that one side or the other please should not be disseminated now publicly for media consumption allows for that kind of protection. And if we can't agree, then ultimately it goes to the court. So uh, notwithstanding Mr. Clyde's objections, we would ask that the court sign the consent order that has been agreed to by the state. And by the by, the defense counsel. All right, thank you, Mr. Gillen, and
1: perhaps by show of Zoom hands, if there's any other defense counsel who just wanted to be heard or make a point, uh, I'll survey the the room now. But seeing none, uh, uh, this is Chris for Mr. Yes, Ford.
7: sir. My um, client wants me to state that he's. Withdrawing his consent to the Schaefer order, and he agrees with the uh, Mr. Clyde's argument on the Atlanta Journal Constitution side. All right, so noted.
1: All right, well, I will, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we'll be putting together a, an order on this, and uh, the Mr. Clyde's point on behalf of the media interveners is well taken, uh, that I believe Uh, that First Amendment concerns of this case are not ones to just be ignored or flippantly denied. And those are certainly ones I've been sensitive to throughout this process and why we tried to have these proceedings as open as possible. However, pretrial discovery, I think, places us in a very different realm. And there are, um, as my understanding and and reading of of much of the federal case law on this point, uh, I guess I'll highlight Seattle Times, which is the United States Supreme Court case from 1984 As well as, I think it was Anderson, uh, United States v. Anderson, 11th Circuit case from 1986, which very much go into these issues of why discovery uh, is something that is placed in a different box than just your general courtroom proceedings, which are going to remain open throughout this process for everyone. Uh, But until we decide what's going to be relevant and admissible, uh, this case should be tried and not in the court of uh, public opinion as much as possible, but before a jury and with competent um, and with evidence that has uh, been vetted and approved. So, um, and also to Mr. Clyde's point, I think that being um, that just constraining ourselves to the discovery, reciprocal discovery statute does um, may not address all of the points raised in the protective order, but again, uh, through my read of Seattle times and generally the court's equitable Powers uh, laid out in 15-1-3, uh, the court has the power to control in the furtherance of justice the conduct of its officers, and I combine that with the need to keep the jury pool as untainted as possible, the need to keep discovery free flowing in this process so that all parties can be prepared, and to prevent pretrial surprise. We've already seen what may happen if a protective order isn't put in place, which is onerous logistical burdens that we're going to have to discuss and I think a protective order uh, mitigates uh, if not protects against all those entirely so again I'll be looking very closely uh, Mr. Clyde at some of the other first amendment aspects you raise, such as the uh, ceilings to courtroom filings and that sort of thing but uh, I certainly will be modeling a protective order based on that proposed by Mr. Schaefer so uh, to that end um, we'll conclude on that issue I do want to highlight and since everyone's here, we can open the floor to general housekeeping, I suppose. But I did wanna add, uh, we have our first, not first, but an- another discovery deadline coming up on December 4th for reciprocal defense discovery. Uh, I've received and reviewed two motion extensions for that on behalf of Mr. Meadows and Mr. Clark. And I just wanted to flag for everyone that my thought right now is to add those onto our motions hearing on December 1st so that we can address those if counsel are gonna be available. Uh, But I would add that the initial inclination is that if the extension is going to be granted, it's only going to be for the motions deadline. Um, I didn't see a a case articulated in those briefs of why an initial batch of reciprocal discovery on behalf of the defense should not be turned over by December 4th. So I just would flag that. And uh, I would think that if anyone else is anticipating wanting to file motions for extensions, um, that it would most likely be more conducive to do all that in one batch on the first as well and we can consider those issues so with that uh is there will, any other will kind of zoom policy? be
6: available on, i'm sorry your honor will mm-hmm. zoom be available for the hearing on the first
1: all right mr greenberg if if that is uh, necessary um i'll certainly entertain the request i understand your i think you said on trial and Illinois or something know. like that. All right. Yes, thank you. All right, any any other council want to be heard on, on on that or any other housekeeping matters since we're all here? Okay, seeing none then uh, be on the lookout for that supplemental notice for the first and we will see you all then, those who are on the schedule. Thank you all. Thank you, Your Honor.
5: Thank you, Your Honor.